Say that podcast are your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Everything is different, and it bothers me. We are still adjusting to the new Say That World headquarters. Also joining us here is Jed Brew, director of Mission USA Productions. I like change. That's <laughs> maybe the biggest lie that's ever been told on this podcast, which is saying quite a bit. But and, you, but you got to give love for the Jim Gaffigan reference. Uh, no doubt about it. Very true. <laughs> And making his triumphant return to the podcast and his first official visit to the Say That World headquarters via the Skypes, all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, one of the pastor Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I have many problems, one of them being I don't like new things, I'm uncomfortable, and I don't want to, I, I just can't. The other problem being a show was made without me, and my feelings are hurt. Well, well I, they should be. I couldn't uh, blame you more. As, as you know, that was all Matt's idea, but... <laughs> Uh, I was definitely under protest. Sure. Good. Here's the thing you got to know, and I, I think this is fair. This is not me deflecting in any way. I blame Jim Rayburn, who is the founder of Young Life, who came up with the wow. idea of the week on Young Life Camp. And if he hadn't done that, uh, Lee would have been on the show last week. Yeah, it's so let, a, who's the real villain here? It's a domino <laughs> effect. That's what it is. We've done Absolutely. some we've done some uh, nice work with Young Life, both officially and unofficially, and the Southern Harmonic album and all that. I have a feeling I may have just ended that with one fell uh, snarky comment. <laughs> but but what a way to exit. Yeah, man. it was always going to happen that way. Then I accused him of playing dominoes as a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a weird. That's a weird accusation of a fair church ministry. You're just so one domino playing fool. <laughs> That's, sure. That's, you know, sure. People, I think it's great. They don't even know what to think of that. Absolutely. Speaking I'm... of things we don't know what to think of, mm. we have a suggestion emergency. Ooh. Oh, wow. This is a oh. user, listener-generated emergency. This well, we'll decide if it's an emergency. Oh, it's going to be by the end. <laughs> this comes from friend, our good friend, David Sherdwan, down there. Lovely South Carolina. Mm. Um, we'd had some, some, I can't remember what it was, some nonsense going on. On the Twitters. Oh, no, we, we'd mentioned a couple episodes ago a joke about D&D. Right. I think it was, it was the one where I introed the wrong podcast. Okay. Then we ran around of jokes of not knowing what podcast this was. One of them was, is this the one where we play D&D? Right. Which are our podcasts that do that. Thrill a minute. Imagine the excitement. I, I, couldn't imagine, <laughs> I couldn't imagine anything I would want to hear less. Well, there we go. And uh, uh, David. Uh, well, now, we, we have to interject this into this conversation. There is a contingent of the Mission USA staff that love D&D. I think you mean all except me and you. All of them except for me and you. And we <laughs> not only aren't into it, we are aggressively into it if only... We're aggressively not into it, if only to upset everyone else. Yes. That's really your tack, definitely. Yeah. And I'm there with you, except uh, it's D&D, uh, proctored by our, our good friend and co-worker Pete Lawson. Right. And it is literally the entire Mission USA staff, Sands, Glenn, and I, right. and our friend Woody and his, his lovely wife. And uh, when they first started this, this adventure, Pete very nicely came to me and said, I think we're going to do D&D. Would you like to play D&D with us? I want you to be included. I want you right. to... And I said, Pete, I appreciate that from you. Here's what you got to know. If I go to that, I'm going to be so insufferable that you're right. going to... I'm going to hate it. Yeah. You're going to hate it. Yeah, and I don't want to be this way. Mocking, sure. But I know right. this is what's going to happen. Sure. Well, I, I only had two questions. You got to know yourself. One is, no, can so. you cheat at it? And second of all, is there gambling involved? Sure. And he said no to both. And I said, well, I'm out. Okay. 
Okay. If you ever want to uh, guess how we got Glenn to play Settlers of Catan, you just got your answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't play a tabletop game with Glenn. He will make fun of you the whole time. That's absolutely yeah. true. Unless you can gamble at it, and then he gets interested. I'm invested at that point. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a lot of money. Yeah. No, no, no. It's not the amount. It's just, if I can cheat my way into winning money off of you, then, yeah, I'll do that. Sure. I spend a lot of time playing cards at the jailhouse. Sure. It's uh, it's a thing. So uh, all this to say, this is a, a side note, but w- w- David is a very talented game designer. Mm-hmm. We do have people in the Say That listenership who do that kind of thing. If you can come up with a way that Glenn can cheat and gamble on D&D, feel free yeah. to let us know. Please. Yeah. Something but, with loaded dice, you know, it's like a 20-sided dice. And then, <laughs> sure. I don't know what it is. But David written in after that episode to say, I, he, I would pay cash money to listen to you guys playing D&D, but Glenn has to be the GM. I assume that doesn't mean general manager in this context. It means game master? Right you are, sir. There we go. Um, is, that, is, that, is the game master in a dungeon? And if so, does that make him a dungeon master? PG product. And if it's a dungeon, no explicit tag master. on the PG product. Is that like a safe word? Nope. Is, safe. That, I mean, is that the no. different thing? Nope. nope. Different thing. Uh, no, that's good. We want to clarify that. Mayday, mayday. That is also the joke. We haven't even Glenn makes declared emergency every single time. <laughs> um, actually, <laughs> or Pete brings up D and D. Um, there are a variety of the role-playing games. Uh, uh-oh, it's D&D, Jed. The term <laughs> Dungeon Master is used in the official Dungeons & Dragons products. The term Game Master is used more broadly in tabletop role-playing games. <laughs> Given that this is an actual Dungeons & Dragons campaign, the correct term would be Dungeon Master. And I fail oh, to see why you're life. all giggling. <laughs> <laughs> there was a I was at a, a, a street fair uh, this weekend there was a guy wearing a t-shirt that had one of those what do you call them Dalek oh yeah from Dr. Uh, Daleks on there and it it's it it had a picture of that and the text read hey look it's R2-D2 I loved him in Star Trek yeah that's <laughs> I just wish I had a shirt version of yes. that that I could reflect to you no doubt D- uh... you can wear at Jed yes that's right yep. that's right that that was the perfect accent for the Aquaman. You cannot marry a woman without gills. It's just not right. <laughs> oh, I've wasted my life. <laughs> both uh, both the follow up to the Simpsons quote that Lee just made, and my feelings on having tried to get this emergency started because we're still on the first of about four tweets. There's nothing I love more than smolder and wreckage. Go on. <laughs> so, uh, so Glenn responds with the uh, uh, normal. Um, Holier than thou snark, he really right. fires yeah. down when anyone mentions D&D. Right. And uh, so with the, the prospect of me or, or Glenn out of this game, uh, David, because he's nothing if not a consummate professional games person, mm. says, well, then I guess it would have to be a D&D game between Jed's various characters and personalities. Ah. Wow. So I don't think we have time to, and, you know, as much as I'd love for us all to write a script sure. of, you know, my dinner, my, my Dungeons and Dragons games with many Jeds. Yeah. I think... Let's just go through how each one of these would react, would feel about a D&D game, might go about it. So we'll start off, we've already heard from D&D Jed, which is an entire new one in the Jed catalog. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> let's, hit, let's hit the classics first. How would very Southern Jed feel about D&D? <laughs> Y'all, it's just a good old time we're having here, man. And, you know, that's actually, that's the reason why I play the D&D is because of the food, man. You know what I mean? It's, I think, <laughs> you feed me, I'll show up. I think it's great. I'm just, you know, I'm biscuits and gravy, y'all. I'm glad to be here. Wow. <laughs> Excellent Key and Peele reference at the end. He, he started to tack a little McConaughey, a little but bit. he drug it in. Yeah, that's yeah. what I appreciate. 
Um, well, Cambridge Jed? I believe, my dear boy, it depends a bit on mm, the particular brand of mythology to which we are referring. The Tolkien mythos I find to be quite appealing. I believe the works of one G. Gygax in the late 1970s to be rather offensive. They are juvenile, shallow, and pedantic. Shallow and pedantic. Mm. Yeah, the, the amount of bottom jaw thrusting out yeah, that was, was happening during that was very much significant. Well, there's always the classic legalistic Judd. Um, I think we're all quite clear that Dungeons & Dragons is a tool of Satan. Um, <laughs> the practice of witchcraft is clearly forbidden in Scripture, and I believe that those who engage in this practice will be judged and most harshly. And uh, I wish only to pray by you at those. Or by someone else? It's hard to say, perhaps both. I wish to pray at, not for, at uh, those <laughs> who good. would follow such a dark path willingly. I'm certain that somewhere there is a chick track specifically about sure. Dungeons oh, and oh, there is. That's for real. Yeah, I, I've, yeah, there's no way I'm making that up. Oh, Lord. And I think this, this if, if, all, if the various Jeds were playing, Dungeons and Dragons. I think the games master. Which pause is... for me to cut out anything you guys say. <laughs> but it here. is in a dungeon, though, right? No, there's well, like a dragon. Not on this internet show Who's without dragon? explicit tag. One guy's a dragon. Um, actually, another guy's a dungeon. The typical gaming session is often referred to historically as a dungeon crawl. Yes, often taking place in a dungeon. <laughs> That's not better. <laughs> no part of this is improved by introducing the term dungeon crawl. <laughs> but if this were happening, I think the person in charge of said game would have to be Palpatine Jed, mm. which is also a character that Glenn and I both admitted we forgot existed until it was tweeted at us. Yes. How would that go? But 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 that, uh, to me, I think that's the ultimate uh, Jed yeah. for this experience. You. Want your 20-sided dice. Oh, my lord. Don't you? Take it! Strike me down with all your hatred and your anger. Then you will be fully given over to the dark side of the saving throw. Oh, my gosh. That's that was perfect. just fantastic. Just Guys, Makes y'all... So uh, happy. Dear listeners. See, that, that, that moment right there is why they invented the 15-second back button on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you yeah. got to run that again. Yeah, yeah, run you got to hear that back. Dear gentle listeners, yes. it's been a very long month yeah. up how? here at the Mission USA. <laughs> we had uh, our friends Pete and Tasha very selfishly took a vacation because yes. we work hard yeah. and yeah, we deserve it, which mm. they do. Yeah. And then uh, Jed and Hallie were equally selfish the next yeah. week. Um, we've we've been moving Glenn and Jane into the worldwide headquarters here. That's right. Morale is at a significant low. Yeah, we, I think we all needed that. <laughs> we, we needed we needed that. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And David, thank you for doing that. Yeah. And if any, here's the thing: you may have uh, tipped off listeners. If you tweet us something weird, we'll probably do an emergency about it. Yeah. Right. So uh, feel free to just wind us up, whatever kind of weird <laughs> trap you want, because right. we didn't plan that out. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. literally about 20 seconds before we hit record. I looked dead. I looked at Jed and said, should we do the D&D thing? He said, okay. Sure. Because that, that's all just within him. Yeah. Right, that's in right. In the surface. And um, I don't know if anybody else laughed, but that we really enjoyed that. <laughs> we all. liked it. Yeah. I feel like I did D&D. You, no did, you were there, man. Did, is that what D&D is? Just you got like involved. That. Does people do voices? Sometimes. And then there's like, a, there's like orcs. Dude, seriously. Orcs. Up, 
uh, Pete very carefully, and Pete's an amazing game master. He very carefully put together cool backstories and a whole cool world and a whole cool thing. Um, my character is an orc, and I converted him into Southern Slingblade voice. Yeah. Okay. So everything I say the whole wow. session is is that. Yeah. Could, could we have just a little bit of that here? Sure. Is there any particular scenario, or just in general? Well, I, you know, with whatever your D, typical something D&D. about a demigorgon. You got to give us the demigorgon. Uh, the demigorgon. Well, I don't even know what's going on now. Well, that, that looks to me like a demigorgon. <laughs> I think that's that's enough to whet the people's appetite. <laughs> wow. Wow. I don't. I didn't understand what that word meant when Lee said it, and I understand it even less now. Somehow. Here's what I'm saying is. I assume I, it means a half a gorgon. I, I, this is what I know. He fits in a demitasse cup. Yeah, no I, doubt. Here's what I'm saying, Matt, and I know that you agree with me. That was hilarious. Yo, super duper. But as a result of hearing that, I feel somehow massively less cool. Sure, yeah. I was never cool to begin with. So I drug you down, man. Yeah, that's because you were close to it. Yeah, yeah, it was a hard blow. It that's just, part, that's part of what you have to understand. I want to be clear about this because people like what they like. Glenn, Glenn's objection to D&D is he feels it violates his coolness. Right, that's right. Which is absolutely true. Glenn, sure. is, yep. Yep. Glenn builds guitars as part of his hobby. Right. That's very cool. Yeah. I do not feel that way. Sure. I'm not too cool for D&D. Right. I just can't rap. I just don't. When people start pretending stuff. Sure. Like there's a very popular video game series called Assassin's Creed. Mm. There was a movie about it recently. And I, I, someone had very kindly handed me down to a, a game station, which I have not had a video game system for decades at this point. So I thought, okay, I'll go to the, the used thing and get a bunch of the, the things you hear about, you know, your Maddens and whatnot. And one was like Assassin's Creed. It's three bucks. Cool. I'll try that. And there's like a framing device they use on it where you're not, you don't just get to go jumping off buildings. Yeah. It's like, it's a futuristic thing. You got to play a thing. And after three minutes watching this cutscene, I literally said, well, nope. And just never <laughs> played it again. Right. Right. Just no. Right. It's too much, too much imagination for me. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And with that, uh, really good time over. Sure. I think we, I think we all needed that. Yeah. Sure, yes. And yeah. I, in that case, I would declare emergency off. Mm. Now, you may wonder, what does Jed do with this immense, disturbing <laughs> creative energy during his work week? And the answer is, he puts that towards Bridgebox. Oh, Jed oh. is the project manager of the whole entire Bridgebox project. So he oversees the songs and he helps perhaps that vision of our, what our friends Pete and Lee. And I wouldn't say friend, maybe our known associate, the pool house guru. Yes, um, quite. Do with right. their things. He picks the topics and Glenn and I <laughs> preach on them. And every month for only $8 a month, you get the, uh, the fruits of that labor. It's a lot of very good, very encouraging stuff. This month's topic for the, topic of, for the uh, month of June is what does God think about sex? Very good topic. We've had stuff about money. We've had stuff about uh, doubts and authority and all sorts of good stuff. And if you're a current Bridgebox subscriber and you want a back issue that you may either not have anymore or was from before you signed up, you can always email me, Matt, at MichiganSA.com, and I'll get that to you. We're actually going to close out with a Bridgebox song at the end of this episode. I'll let you know more about that later. But if you want to sign up and check it out, you can check out MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. People often ask, how can, we, how can I support what you guys are doing? How can I help you out? And uh, we're... Super thankful for you listening and just lo- using what you learn on the podcast to love on the people in your world. That's great. If you want to leave a review, leave a review. No one's going to stop you. Yeah. Um, leave but a review. Leave a review. by far the number one uh, most impactful thing you can do is sign up for Bridgebox. It really helps us out. We have some awesome people who are in the ministry or price the ministry that we want to help out, uh, become part-time helpers of the bridge, become part-time employees. Our deacons program is funded by Bridgebox. They do all sorts of amazing stuff, and that's because people like you sign up for the small amount of $8 a month, and that allows a lot of good ministry to happen. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. Now, we'll transfer into our first question. This one comes in anonymously to our email address, and it says, I've been thinking a lot lately about my relationship with my mom. 
It's not terrible, but it's not great either. The older I get, the more I realize I generally don't enjoy being around her. I always thought when I got older, we'd start to become friends and she'd treat me differently, but that just hasn't been the case. I feel guilty for not feeling more fond of my mom, but most of the time I'm happier when she's not there. This has been bumming me out and I don't like the, I don't like things the way they are. I want to be friends with my parents, but I don't know how to overcome a lifetime of not that. What does it take on the child's part and the parent's part for them to have a friendship when the child is an adult? Now, that's a fantastic question. And Lee, I'd love to get you to kick us off on it. Sure, I'd love to. Um, I, I can speak from some experience on this one, but kind of, from, kind of coming from a different angle. Um, you know, my, with my relationship with my folks, um, it, it's not a deal where... Uh, they, they treated me really badly my whole life, and so now I'm trying to figure out how to navigate that. And, and, and I'm sorry that that's your situation. That's a tough thing to come out of. But for me, my situation is, is just a little bit different of like, you know, getting to the place where you're an adult and you, you look at your folks and you're like, we don't have a lot in common. And, um, I, you know, I, I'd love to have a relationship with you, um, but we don't, we don't really value the same things. And, um, and so... Uh, you know, my closest friends in the world and the people I want to be around are people that, to be honest with you, are people that I partner with in ministry. Um, yeah. and, and, and those are the people that I, I, it's the easiest to talk to, we, we care about and value the same kind of stuff. And I think that, so uh, what I'm kind of setting up, and you can probably smell it already, is if you, if you have the right goal of like, I want to have a relationship with my parents that's functional and that's, that's good, or, or even approaching friendship, well... I think that what we need to do is we need to first set up the, the, we need to have the right kind of expectation, the right kind of goal. My parents are not going to be my best friends. Um, when, when you're a little kid, you know, you look up to your parents and they're your world. I mean, they're, you know, uh, if you, if you're in a home where, where both of your parents are together, that's kind of like, they're, they're kind of the, the sun and moon. I mean, they're, they're the folks that you look up to kind of for everything. You learn how to talk from them and all that kind of stuff. Then you become an adult, you become your own person. You realize we're not like in the same world at all. And so, you know, I think the wrong way to go about this is to try to figure out how can my how can my mom or my dad be like a, a, a best friend, like like that you know, like my college roommate was, or like this person that I do this ministry with? I don't know that that's a good goal. And so, I think the first thing we need to do is to set up a, a good, a, a good achievable goal of when I'm around my parents. Just try this on for side. This is kind of what I've had to do. Uh, when I'm around my parents, we're gonna have to spend we're gonna spend some time together, and I don't want to be super annoyed or internally complaining the whole time. I don't want to just dread this thing. And so I want to have some connection with them. I want to have a friendly relationship. So the thing is, is once I realized that that was my goal, that, you know, that we had this myth of we were the closest family ever growing up. And then I realized I can dismiss that. We're not the closest family ever. And we don't actually have a lot of things in common. So what can we do? And then I realized that actually in outreach ministry, I know exactly how to do this. Um, when, when you're involved in outreach ministry... <clears throat> You are going into the world of somebody who is may not have anything in common with you, and you're not necessarily the same culture, have the same interests or anything like that, but you're deciding to reach out to that person. So just a real quick example. I was on a long car trip with my dad last year, and I, you know, and it was like one of these deals where it's like, I can either endure this car ride, or um, I can treat this like I would treat any other person that I'm reaching out to for the sake of the good news. And so I just decided to do that. 
And so I just started asking my dad all these questions about what it was like when he was a little kid. And why were you into that when you were in college? And I just started learning about him, just like I would if I was reaching out to some kid at the high school. I just started moving towards. It's, it's that thing of, you've heard us talk about this on the podcast before, of people don't uh, care what you know until they know that you care. Um, and that's kind of the basis of, of doing kind of like in some outreach ministries, they call it contact work of, I'm just moving towards you. I'm learning about your world. I'm going to kind of build a framework for who you are. And I'm just reaching out to you. Uh, Hey, I'm interested in you telling me about your life. Tell me about you. And it was cool. It was like this 10 hour car ride became just the most enjoyable time. Mm -hmm. Now we weren't best friends at the end of this thing, because again, we, we care about different stuff. We're not the same it's not the same thing. I'm not that little boy that looks up to his dad in the same way anymore. But um, I learned a lot about him, and we laughed a lot, and we, we had a pleasant time. I think if we set the right goal, and then you look at this like like you would move towards any stranger, or not even a stranger, but any acquaintance or somebody that's different than you, somebody that's a different age, has a different kind of culture of origin and stuff, you move towards them. If we have the right goal and then we have the right approach, then we might not be best friends at the end of that, but we can set up something that is enjoyable, something that actually works, and something that you know that that you won't hate, and and then you might realize at the end of it, we actually do have a relationship that's functioning and that's cool. Um, I I think it's probably there are some different wrinkles in it in the fact that um, you're saying that your experiences that you were you know poorly treated you know in the early days, but I do still think that some of these principles can help get us a long way there on figuring out what it is we're aiming at and how to kind of get to something like that. That's a really good place to start that off. There's a lot of fantastic strategy in there. And Jed, I'd love you to pick us up there, maybe by taking a step back in this process, because this is another thing that also applies to outreach ministry, is um, you can't actually force this to yeah. grow any faster than it wants to. So maybe part of the unpleasant reality of looking at this is uh, gauging and hopefully praying through, maybe talking through the mentor, how open your folks are to this, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. One of the One of the unpleasant truths about relationships generally is you can't force a deeper or better relationship onto a person than what they are willing to have. Uh, there, there is no way to do that. You know, I mean, um, honestly, one of the things that, that comes up a lot when, when people have difficulty in their marriage is you very often have one person trying to be married enough for the both of them. Sure. Um, and that just doesn't work. There's, that there's, still equals up to two married people. So that's fine. Well, except it kind of doesn't, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, that just doesn't work. And you know, similarly, um, You'll have, you know, kind of dysfunctional relationships, you know, where, um, you know, one person is trying to be good enough for the both of them and this kind of thing. And that, that stuff just doesn't work. You know, I mean, um, you've, you've got to have for a friendship, you got to have two people that want to be friends. I mean, it, it, it feels weird to say that, but it but it's true. There, there's not really a way to, to violate that. And yeah. you would think, well, surely... Surely my my mom, because that's the example you used here, surely my mom would want to be my friend. Surely that would be true. That's not a guarantee, man. Um, and there's there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, I mean, to be clear, we are so sorry for the troubles you're having with your family. Mm. Uh, we're sorry for that sense of distance. We're sorry for that sense of letdown. Um, I think it's fair to say that, that most of us on this podcast have had moments where we could really relate to that. Um, one of the things that gets us into trouble with family relationships is we assume a lot 
Uh, and those assumptions very often point us in the wrong direction. We assume my parent wants to have a friendship relationship with me. Man, in a lot of cases, that's just not true. Um, there are a lot of people where they ought to let their child be a friend of them. It would be good for both of them. It would be great. And they are not open to that. They're, they're not willing to have that kind of relationship. They're not open to that kind of relationship. There are a lot of reasons for it. You know, one common one, I can't say if it's a factor for you or not, but a common one is a parent who feels ashamed about the job they did as a parent. Um, and, um, they don't, um, they don't want to have to stare at that. So they, they kind of basically push that other person away. That's, that's a pretty common one. Another, um, is, uh, actually pretty similar, but it's, I'm used to being big mama or big papa. I'm used to being the shot caller Mm -hmm. and I don't, I don't know how to be if I'm not that. And if we're friends, then I'm not that. So I'm just, you know, I'm just not going to do that. But regardless, whatever the motivations are, and they're worth understanding just so you have a sense of what you're dealing with. But if that person's not willing to be a friend, then we kind of can't have a friendship. We can stand ready, and that's worth doing to the extent that we can. I think one of the things I'll offer this and uh, kick it around uh, to to Matt and to uh, Glenn. Christians, I think undervalue the idea of a shallow, pleasant relationship with family Come on members. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oftentimes, a shallow but consistently pleasant relationship with family members is as good as we can possibly hope mm-hmm. for. This is what I'm saying. A lot of folks in churches have a way of saying, well, that's like failure. I mean, that's like it doesn't count because, you know, I mean, like we should just be one big happy family. Mm-hmm. Dude, the truth is most families are super screwed up. Um, you know, there, there are very few happy families out there, you know? And so for a lot of people, if we can get to a place where we're generally pleasant towards each other, it's about an inch deep. That's Mm -hmm. okay. We're Mm -hmm. we catch up on the weather and the bears and it's a whole thing and whatnot. That's actually pretty good. And just like Lee's saying with managing our expectations, we should be able to celebrate that as a victory. Mm -hmm. Um, but if we don't have expectations set in the right place, we can actually be achieving something really good, but not be able to celebrate it because we still Mm -hmm. feel like we're failing. Yeah, that's good. That's very good stuff. And Jed mentioned uh, catching up with the Bears there. Of course, he's referring to the Chicago Bears and talking sports. If you live in a place that has really actual, like, literal bear news, <laughs> yeah, don't, you, don't. A, you live in an exciting place, but B, it's probably hard to have that conversation casually. Yeah, don't catch up with them. Don't, don't even run after a bear. That's bad. We just, we just want to make sure that people are safe. Yeah. Uh, the Bears are a football team, and I know that. <laughs> That's right. Jack. The Bears are mostly a football team. They're, 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 the Bears they're, are a collection of people who... Play a game in NFL stadiums. They're, they're trying to... Uniforms to of American football players. Yeah. The Bears recently changed out their quarterback. I don't really know what that means, but I've heard it. It did happen. Yes, you, you hear people just wandering around the street screaming about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, our fine town. the quarterback, in some ways, is like the game master. Ooh, <laughs> tell me more. We're bridging some serious gaps now. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of healing and unifying happening. Yeah. <laughs> To desperately try to get back on topic, <laughs> yes. because I'm the one who caused the diversion, and now I'm sowing yes. what I reaped. Yeah. That's in the Bible. You're going to reap the whirlwind. <laughs> <laughs> Friends, that's going to happen so much over the next two episodes. Right. I'm excited. Uh, Glenn, let me to go to you. The, before Jed started doing voices, he was saying some very clear-headed and yes. wise things. That's there. right. That's right. Um, one of which was this idea of you you have to be under there might be some miscommunication on what this relationship is going to be there might be yeah. some assumptions here i think that's very important in the sense of i'm not sure having as jed mentioned having been through a certain amount of this as we all have i'm not sure if you went to your your parents and said it, 
I, it doesn't seem like you're interested in a friendship. We should have a friendship. That's a good thing. I'm not sure they would, un, they would agree on that being a good thing. That right. being a reasonable goal or what that would even mean. And it feels right. like getting some of that straight has got to be the first step here, right? Well, yes. I mean, I think it, along the lines of what Jed was saying there, it would be great if you had some common interests. You know, you, if you both like reading the same kind of books or you're both into movies or uh, something where you have something to talk about. Uh, or if they're into something that you know about that you can just kind of yeah, you pick can, it up and fake yeah. through it. That's right. A lot of uh, uh, family relationships that aren't super healthy are... We don't know what to talk about, so it, you're having something to talk politics, about. Politics, maybe? Yeah. Let's just go straight <laughs> to politics. Not that one. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, I think, it, it, as Jed was also alluding to, uh, it's, it's really critical for parents to make a very, very big, very tough transition when their yeah. parents, when the kids become adults, because parenting is part of your identity. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. kind of yeah. like your whole life, and it's your biggest project. And then someone just says, "Oh, that's over," and you're like, "Well, a should I like much garden li- now? Or? Much like Vietnam, it will never be over for me." And also, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, Wait, would you, you describe know? your childhood as an, as an insurgency in some ways? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but. Uh, there was a lot of guerrilla warfare, yeah, the no whole doubt. thing, you know, Charlie's in the jungle <laughs> and the whole deal. But the thing is that uh, uh, parents have also, uh, I think kids can't appreciate how fast they are growing up to them. It's incredibly yeah. slow. But I remember having a conversation with my parents when they were both alive uh, some years ago, and they said, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, gee whiz, uh, you need to eat more healthy. And I said, well, beloved uh, parents of mine, I would like for you to tell me and describe in slow detail exactly how you know what I'm eating. Because I don't live with you anymore. How do you? How, what makes you just be able to declare I'm not eating well? And they said, well, you don't like green vegetables. And I said, well, I, I eat green vegetables. I don't have any problem with that. They're like, well, uh, you, remember that time we told you to eat the spinach and you refused and it just didn't matter what we said and you, it was a whole huge thing? And I said... No, I do not remember that. I have no memory of that whatsoever. When did this happen? Well, you were like six years old. <laughs> I said, parents, I am 40. Is why I was, at that time. I, at that time, I'm, I'm 40. I'm a 40-year-old man. <laughs> Things have changed. You know, some, some water has gone under the bridge here. You know, I mean, come on. But there's, um, there's a sense that for them that was yesterday. They're still mm-hmm. thinking of me in that way. It's tough for them to make that transition. But one other thing I just want to toss out here as a possibility is I'm wondering if there's a chance that your that maybe your mom was a certain type of way when you were younger and that she's still being a certain type of way now. And that may have something to do with her personality as opposed yeah. to your relationship, mm-hmm. right? So in other words, if your mom was a, was critical of you quite a little bit when you were a kid, and you had the impression that that's what parenting was, and she kind of thought that's what parenting was, and now you're looking forward to the critical part being over because you don't really need that critical part anymore, you may be discovering your mom's just kind of a critical person. The only year we have. You know, yeah. And, uh, and that's a problem that she needs to work on and address within herself, but you can't put that on yourself and say, well, I, I should have a different type of relationship with her. 
the, you know, people have bad habits like that of being critical and, and, and sort of nitpicking, and they don't know how to get out of it, and they're, they're stuck in that. If that's the case, then that's less a parent-child thing and more an uh, internal thing within her. Uh, but all the stuff that all these other fellows were talking about applies to that kind of situation of trying to find ways. What they're really giving you is trying to ways, find ways to change the channel so this this relationship you know, goes into a different phase in, in a gentle way to where she can feel comfortable. Yeah, I think that's a great point. The interesting thing about what you're ending on, on there is that also works from the other end in the sense of right. maybe this was a very attentive parent who kind of right. hovered yeah. and took care of and always mm-hmm. you know, washed your clothes when you were coming from college. And it's, it's weird because you may be ready to transition out of that because while that's lovely in its own way, it gets a little creepy as you uh, edge towards uh, 40. Right, right. Um, but they they would not see, as you're saying, that that's kind of part of how they identify. They may not see it that way. Right. One one thing I, w- I will give you from from my own life, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna prescribe this, but I'm gonna say this is this had a big impact for me. Is uh, some of what Glenn's describing there, as far as the way a parent always sees a child, and he's he's used the example of the bridge is no matter how you know it's someone whose child has grown and has a you know a PhD in microbiology and is a very accomplished person, very brilliant. There's part of their parents that always sees the kid who almost ran into traffic. Yes. And yes. is always trying to snatch them out of traffic <laughs> yes. in yeah. some way. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. P- part of what could be the answer long-term, and I, I apologize, this has to be a long-term strategy, is you letting a certain amount of distance happen mm-hmm. to the point where you can kind of get your... They, your parents at some point will have to, as these guys are all describing, have a switchover where they see you as someone who can handle mm-hmm. life in general whom they can be a friend to then and not have to parent all the time. It's a tough transition, as, as, as Lee has mentioned many times on the podcast, and Glenn was alluding to there. Um, people who do that very well as parents are intentional and realize they have to be the one to make that change and set about right. making that change. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't always happen. So part of what we're talking about here, and uh, you had some great advice about you know techniques, and Glenn's thing about just find something that they like that you can talk about is great. Right, That's right. really, really good advice. Um, but part of that is also going to be assuming this ends in a good place, which it can, we're not, mm-hmm. we're certainly not yeah. saying it can't. Um, it is not going to be a linear thing in the sense right. of we're going to get closer, 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 and then we will be friends. Right, there has right. to be some kind of reset button hidden here at some point, probably. Right. That's the far more likely scenario is, and that may be moving away. That may be, you know, Mm-hmm. Not talking to them a whole lot until you something happens, you get married or something, and then not, they kind of see you in a different light. But as a, a lot of things on the, we talk about on the show here, really, this is one of those situations where the best thing you can do for yourself is invest in your own life as an independent, mature. Mm-hmm. We we often say at the bridge, and we've all stolen this from Glenn so much for that we almost forgot that we stole it from him. But in, if you want to be respected, you have to act respectably. Part of what you're at, what, one of the differences that a parenting relationship has to a friendship relationship is a certain amount of peer to peer respect. And if you want that, that's a great thing to want, but you're going to have to establish to and present to your parents that you are a respectable person. And it, that's, that's an underlying thing, but if you apply that along with the other really good advice these guys gave you on reading what the situation can be, as Jed pointers out to, and then applying these, uh, these techniques that, Lee and Glenn gave you. I think we're going to get somewhere very positive, but it may take a little while. Move on to our second question here. This comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, how can you tell if the person you are dating is really a Christian? 
The man I'm seeing doesn't pray before meals, isn't comfortable praying at all, and we don't go to the same church, so I'm not sure how to see if he is investing or growing in his faith. I don't want to judge him if he just expresses his faith differently than I do. I also don't want to continue to get involved with someone who is a Sunday-only Christian or isn't seeking to grow in their faith. How should I proceed? Jed, I'd love to get you to start us off. Well, I'm glad that you wrote into us. I think the number one thing that we want to do here is talk to your boyfriend. That's terrible relationship advice, Jed. No one wants to do that. <laughs> I know. I, I couldn't agree more. But you, you really, that's what we need to do. We need to talk to him out loud with words um, and uh, uh, ask actual questions. Uh, and here's why is the stuff that you've listed, um, it's pretty common in Christian culture. But it doesn't necessarily say anything yeah. about a person's heart or their walk. Um, I have known people who have an unbelievably strong faith who hate praying in public. It's their right. least favorite thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, just so you know, I hardly ever pray before my meals. Um, I, I pray for the groceries when I bring them home from the you, grocery store. You just bless it all then. That's efficiency. That's G- given the way in which we are we are raised by Vinci Port, I thank Jesus pretty much out loud every time my paycheck comes through. Sure. So right. I feel like we've covered all financial things in that moment. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, he doesn't pray before his meals. Well, I know a lot of godly people don't pray before their meals. Yeah. He, he doesn't uh, seem to like, uh, you know, praying, you know, in a, in a group setting. I've actually known plenty of godly people that just really were not into that. Uh, we don't go to the same church. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, so I'm not sure how to see if he's investing or growing in his faith. Well, again, you're, you're looking at your concern of saying, I want to be with a person whose faith is important to them the same way my faith is important to me. You know, I want us to be pointed in the right direction, in the same direction, and, and walking a path together. That's great. You are right to mm-hmm. want that. I think the thing is, it sounds like you're a little bit tempted to try and read into some things that don't necessarily mean anything to gauge whether or not he's serious about his walk with the Lord. To be right. clear, he may not be. It, the, the fact that he you know doesn't want to do certain things, that may be part of an overall, well, you know, I mean, you know, parents are in the church, so, you know. But the key thing is, talk to him, out loud, with words, and ask. So here's a, a, an important skill to have in relationships, is to ask a direct question without it being an accusation. Mm, Let me explain right. what I mean, because this is really super important. What you don't want to say is, so are you serious about your faith or what? That's, if someone accused you of being a Christian, would or, there be enough am, evidence to convict? <sighs> or am I the only one who cares about Jesus in this relationship? Yeah, th- those are all bad ideas. Uh, th- those are accusations. I mean, you, you are saying, you are not serious about your faith. Prove me wrong. That's, that is not good. However, saying, for example, you know, uh, my faith is really important to me. You know, uh, uh, I know, I understand that your faith is important to you. Tell me where you want to see your faith go in your life. Tell me how you want to see your faith grow and develop and what you want that to look like in your life five years from now. You know, tell me, tell me what you want that to look like. Well, A, there's no accusation there. There's nothing to feel defensive about. And that's really important. We don't want to start out with, you know, uh, an accusation. But the beautiful thing about something kind of open-ended like that is um, it gives the other person freedom to speak, but it's going to tell you everything you need to know. If you say, what do you want your faith life to look like five years from now? Um, if a person says, I don't know, you know, go to church here and there and, uh, you know, uh, maybe throw a couple dollars in. 
well, then that's probably not the right person for you. That's probably not someone who's going in the same direction. If, by contrast, you say, you know, where do you want your faith life to be in five years? You say, man, I just want to get to a place where I'm taking more courageous risks for the Lord, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm serving people, but I'm, I'm doing that in a way that, you know, really makes a difference. Well, dang, dude, we're off to the races now. You know what? Don't worry about praying before meals. If that's where your heart's at, more of that. That's great. But the way that we get there is talking. The way that we get there is open communication, and I think we want to note this before we we kick it around. The reason people don't communicate is because they're afraid of the outcome. They're they're afraid of what might come out. This is the thing. Um, The easiest price to pay is always right now. The easiest time to get off a bad situation is always right now. If you have a concern that maybe there's something uh, not good here, have that conversation. The momentary discomfort of asking some questions you'd rather not ask is so much better than persisting in a relationship that's either bad or that you just can't be fully committed to because you have a bunch of doubts Mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You deserve better than that. We want better for you than that. God wants better for you than that. And I bet your boyfriend wants better for you than that. So so have those conversations and figure out where you're uh, standing. That's a really important place to start, I think, Jed, that Unfortunately, uh, the right relationship advice is almost always talk about it right, in, ex- in explicit terms and often at extreme length because that's kind of what we're doing here. Right. Yeah, right but right. Uh, Glenn, let me get you to kind of transfer in, within that really good advice that Jed gave us. There's, he's talking about you know, the culture of Christianity versus Christianity, Christianity. Yeah. Um, a lot of the guys and gals we work with at the bridge, are their actual faith is kind of miles ahead of their ability to express things. Yeah. Sure about their faith and their comfort with things. And so the things like, you know, uh, doesn't want to pray and uh, the, the prayer stuff. So it isn't comfortable praying together at all. That could mean in a group and Jed goes right. So, but if it's some of those things, you know, we talk about, you know, getting the word together and pray together. Someone who's never done that, or is just kind of a certain breed of cat about their faith. They may not know what box to put that in, mm-hmm. but I think that's very different than them not being, serious. Right. Like Jeb was giving us questions that were very good questions. But one of the things he was pointing out is you're not looking for a right answer as much as a right attitude. Yes. That's exactly. So how do we go about kind of when we have these conversations or if we're looking for other clues, focusing on attitude as opposed to kind of the checklist of Christiany things. Well, yes, I, I think that's exactly it. I mean, there's, there's, uh, you actually don't want someone who is a cultural Christian who acts really Christian and isn't. And that's actually what is the more common concern. Yeah. If he's not trying to put on this this false projection of, I'm really into cultural Christianity with the trappings of it and so forth, there's nothing wrong with that, as, as Jed's pointing out. Uh, What you're looking for is a servant of Christ. That's, that's what we're actually looking for. And here's the thing, I mean, in Texas we have a saying, if you want to know how to find a good man, uh, watch how he treats dogs, kids, and old people. It's a very We're not odd. saying that the state of Texas considered all th- considers all three of those things in the same category. That's though that's, maybe a little bit. If you've ever seen the movie Ten Cup, that that theme yeah. plays out very beautifully. And I, if you haven't seen the movie Ten Cup, go out immediately and see the movie Ten Cup. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can't go out and see Tin Cup anywhere. It's probably out of the theater. You may need to bring Tin Cup to you at this point. Well, rent it on the the U box or whatever <laughs> it is. Uh, but uh, the thing is. Uh, what the saying is illustrating is the idea that we find out what kind of a person 
this guy is, by the way, he treats people who are uh, needing his help, people who are uh, uh, in some way less physically or uh, otherwise financially empowered the way that he is. Uh, does he reach down and lift other people up? Uh, that's a big part of what being a Christian is about. There's a million different ways to do that, a million different signs and how that goes. Uh, that's kind of more of the indicator, if I was trying to find an indicator. But here's the thing is, uh, as these fellows are pointing out, we're not trying to read the tea leaves to find out what kind of a Christian he is. Uh, we're, we want to hear him discuss that. And uh, we ought to be able to tell. You know, uh, There ought to be some fairly obvious signs here. Uh, if if those aren't there, maybe the question ought to be something along the lines of, are you having problems finding a way to uh, a way to serve or a situation or context that that fits your schedule or something like that? Is that something we can work on together? Uh, and I think along those lines of getting into stuff together, I think it's easy enough, even if you're long distance, to get into the word. That's what uh, uh, my wife and I did when we were dating. We were long distance. And we would get out our Bible, we would read it together, but we, we, we had like, she's, we're going to read this chapter today, and then we're going to talk about it tomorrow. So uh, That's way easier to do now. You can do that via text or yeah, yeah. WhatsApp or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So many uh, easy ways of, of doing that. And you get a feel for how does this person see the Word, how do they see, how do they apply it to their lives, how do they see that as part of their relationship, how can we integrate that into the way we deal with each other, all those kinds of things. And you'll get a feel from that of where he's at. But, but part of that is you're also encouraging him to grow from wherever mm-hmm. he is. I mean, there's a chance that he's kind of stuck in something that's not really high-octane Christianity, but we could kind of you know, say, well, let's work on that together, because I'd like to be in a better state than I'm in, so let's let's all be a positive to each other on that. I think you could get to a good place. There's a lot of really good stuff in that. And Leah, I'd love to get you to pick us up here. Both Gwen and Jed covered the idea that this has to prominently, centrally feature conversation, and we don't want to mm-hmm. substitute context clues for conversation. But the thing about people is that some of them suck at communicating, uh, male people in particular. So not, right. I'm not saying that this dude's going to lie to you about this, but as, as I said, we, we know personally, people who say, if you ask them, is your faith like important to you? It's like, they'd, they'd kind of wishy-wash about it in what they said. They'd say, well, you know, I have a lot of struggles and this, that, and the other. When we know, if you just watch them at church, the first 10 minutes of church, they're talking to everybody, they're helping move chairs. They, right. This is a confidence issue, not a faith mm-hmm. issue. On the other end, with some of this cultural Christianity, people are like, oh, it's the most important thing in my life. Evidence would vary on whether that's backed up. So, if we're having the conversation, what are some easy things we can look at to verify that information? If someone says, "Yes, this is important to me," uh, you know, I'm, I'm growing, I'm on the Jesus thing. What are a couple things that we can look at throughout our daily lives that would say that verifies what this told me? I love the way you said. I love that word, verify, just because <clears throat> exactly as you're saying, definitely the conversation uh, is is the most important, but. With someone that is walking with Jesus, you can look at their life and tell. The, the confusion that, and I think Jeb was exactly right on this, the confusion that a lot of Christians have is when they look at people's lives, they're looking for the wrong things. So they're looking for things that are easy to say. They're looking for things that are easy to pull off that don't have anything to do with really knowing Jesus. So, you know, where the radio station is dialed to, who they voted for, or 
you know, uh, I mean, even, you know, T-shirts, bumper stickers, all that kind of junk. That's what a lot of people are looking for or, you know, where you go to church or something like that. <clears throat> when the real deal is, um, as Glenn's saying, and I, and I, the, I, I love the way he said this with the, with the dog and the granny, you know, the old people and all that kind of stuff. One thing that I would add on to that is how does this person treat people who can't do anything for him? Amen. And that is a really good question. Yeah. Uh, when you watch somebody, if, if, if this person can't promote this dude in any way, if he can't give them anything, if he can't raise them up at all, then how does he treat people like that? Um, that's, a, that's a really good indicator of, how, uh, of what's inside a person, is how do they treat someone who can't do anything for them, um, who can't give them anything back? They're, they're not, they're, there's, there's nothing I get from this relationship. Um, <clears throat> another thing that I would look at is think about your relationship. When you have, like, when you have fights... When you have conflict and stuff like that, uh, is this person uh, is this person ready to say, "I'm sorry, I was wrong"? Um, those are words that should be easy for a person who understands the gospel to say. Amen. Preach that. Uh, that is that if. If I believe in the good news of Jesus, I have no problem at all with the with the concept that I've been wrong. I mean, that's the whole. That's where we start. Is I've been wrong, and Hallelujah, somebody loves me anyway enough to do something about it. So I don't have any problem with that. If you've got somebody that uh, they they cannot say they're sorry, they cannot. They've never been wrong about anything, and they treat people who can't do anything for them like dirt. You've got a person that, what, what I would say is, we don't have a lot of signs of life there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the best thing, like we were saying before, is the conversation. But if we're looking at some stuff, we want to look for things like humility. We want to look for things like peace. We want to look for things like treating those who can't, the way you treat those who can't do anything for you. We want to look for some signs of life that give us uh, some, some kind of, some dog ears on where this person is in, a, in the stuff that really matters in true Christianity. When somebody is really walking with Jesus, what is the stuff that Jesus changes in that person? Let's look for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all fantastic stuff I would throw. A couple of quick things onto that that just to, with what last what they talked about there. This is not even necessarily judging so much Christianity, but if you want to look at the character of someone to know, be that a romantic or friendship, do I want to be around this person more? Um, how they treat wait staff. Yes. How they act yep. when they're angry. Yeah. These are these are good indicators yep. of things that are eventually going to come your way. Yeah. If you are right. in a relationship with this person, you know it's not so much about Christianity, but if you're if you're on the Jesus thing and growing, the, you, there should be some specific outcomes in those kind of areas of life. Now, again, we're not talking about trying to divine where someone's spiritually at with this stuff. But again, the, the, that spiritual growth thing, that seriousness, that desire, even, I mean, we've been doing the Christian stuff for a long time at this point, professionally, and there's not, nobody has the perfect vocabulary to really sum that up. It has to be something that is right. kind of observed and someone who has the self-awareness to have some vocabulary to put to that. But you see what I say, you know, sometimes, yeah, I have goals and I'm growing and I want this out of that. And that needs to match up. But then there are some context clues you can look at. And that's, that's if you can get both those things in concert, you're definitely going to have a great picture of what you're looking at. We've got our final question here. This came in anonymously to our email inbox. 
It came in with a little extra anonymous on it, which I really uh, appreciated. This person uh, wrote their email at the end, said, you know, name and where they're from, and said, but if you use it on the show, I would appreciate to be billed as anonymous from Nunya. Mm. Mm. As a city in the state of business. I see. And they wrote in and said, In my younger years, the basis of my relationship with God fit into the statement, quote, God is good because, unquote. My because was based on something that turned out to not be true, which was a traumatic period of my life and when I learned the lesson, God is good, period. In recent years, particularly the past year, it seems that each time I would trust God with the situation, the outcome was not a happy one. I'm now noticing my prayer life is not only absent, but really difficult to approach. I still go to church, I listen to you guys, so I know that the desire to be quenched spiritually is there, but I know I'm holding back because I don't know how to trust God. It's even begun to rob me of the joy of things I should be having in positive moments for fear that something will go wrong. So the actual question is, how do I reapproach my prayer life relationship with God when I feel like it's been broken or I've been let down so many times? I know that mentally trusting him does not mean everything works out okay in the end, but emotionally and spiritually, I feel discouraged. Follow-up question, do I just need to wait longer to see the purpose of what all these trials were? And Glenn, why don't you kick us off here? Well, we're, we're, we're seeing a lot of theology questions here uh, when there's uh, likely more of an emotional pain that we're, we're, we're not uh, getting a chance to do much uh, addressing here. Uh, but I think you do, you know, understand and you have a good perspective on that pain. So uh, we can say a few things about this uh, in, a, in a theological context. Here's thing number... Well, yeah, before you that, I think that's a very important point for us to start out on. We, we want to say that we understand we sympathize with because we all have these moments of saying, I know the right answer. Yeah. But I feel like I'm really missing something because of the amount of pain I'm in. Yes. Is that kind of the mindset you're describing? Absolutely. Yeah. And and so let's maybe cover that theology from that kind of perspective. Okay. Let's, yeah, let's give the answer in that sort of way. So here's the thing. First of all, God is definitely not good by your definition or mine. Good is good as I win the lottery. Yeah, God doesn't think right. it's a good idea for me to win the lottery because He has no idea what I think what is he good. He's not. He has no interest in that whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> God is not. God comes nowhere near my definition of good. You would not believe the stuff that God has put me through, and so I have no sense that God is good by my definition. I hear that phrase used a lot in church, you know, that God is good, and I, I tend to usually uh, really hate hearing people say it that way, because they're implying it seems like your life sucks, but it doesn't, because God is good, so probably you're confused. Mm. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm not confused. My life does suck. And here's the deal. If, 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 if you think God is good and you think he's right and good and perfect in every situation, and, and I don't have money and I can't pay my bills, why don't I dip in your pocket and then I'll pay my bills with your money and then I'll tell you that God is good and you'll feel like everything's going to work out for the good according to those who love the Lord and call according to his purpose. But here's the thing is if someone asks me, somebody comes up to me on the street and says, is God good? Here's what I would say to them in all honesty. What do I know about good? Yeah, I'm not a good person. I don't do yeah. good things. I definitely wow. do not have good desires. I try to do something that I think of as good and generally don't pull it off all that well. <laughs> so what do I know about good? Uh, Maybe it, you would ask, why do you call him good? Exactly. Here's the thing, is that... Uh, 
if, if you want the, 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 the most accurate way of saying this theolo- theolo- theologically, and it is different from what you have in your mind and what you've had preached to you, I feel like, is to say that God defines something called good that you and I must strive to understand. Yeah. yeah. And we don't. Believe me, I don't know what goodness is. I know what I want, and that has nothing to do with goodness. Yeah. But I have a my sense of what is good aligns with what I want. I want to win the lottery, so therefore right. that is good. If if I won the lottery, I would say a good thing has happened to mm-hmm. me. You know, that's that's natural, it's normal, it's human, it makes sense. I think you'd be a weirdo if you saw that any other way. But understand, that has nothing to do with what goodness is, because I win the lottery and I get all the money, and then people drive me nuts trying to get the money, and the money becomes an obsession, and I get greedy off of that. And When the lottery could be the worst thing that ever happened to me, I don't know. It is the worst thing that happens to a lot of people. Exactly right. I, but, but to me, I don't have a way of perceiving that. I can't see the whole span of time. I, don't, I can't see what this is doing to me. What do I know about good? I don't know anything about good. So you could tell me that God is good, and that's okay, but it still does not affect what this brother is talking about. What this brother is talking about, here's, here's, here's what he says, is, uh, I know that trusting him does not mean everything works out okay. Here's the thing. You want everything to work out okay. That's what you yeah. want. <laughs> and I don't see anything wrong with that. Sure, It's not gonna. Yep. So that's the tension that we need to be talking about with this question. I hear actually stuff pretty similar to this a lot. I've been through a trauma. I've been through an abusive family. I've had loved ones pass away. I've had this stuff happen where there's there's a, a, a horrible pain in my life that I don't know what to do with, and my thought is moving forward, God needs to promise me I don't have any more of that. And if he can't promise me any of that, I can't get off of square one on this thing. Well, the, the, these other brothers are going to uh, dig into that and, and unpack that. But the reality is that what you needed then, what you need now, what you need for the future is a way to endure whatever comes your way. And, uh-huh. you, what you need is something that allows you to cope with all of these the, the craziness and the madness and the ups and downs. And in fact, right now, I sense that you probably need something to help you cope today with the stuff that's already happened in the yeah. past. So I think we may, you may, may be depriving yourself of that because you're trying to tell yourself that even though that bad thing happened in the past, A, you can't be angry with God about it, B, you kind of can't blame him about it, and C, you're supposed to think that it's good, sure. when how could it be good? And you're supposed to be Christian about it instead of being honest about it, as if those were two different things, which I don't understand. And uh, it, it, you know, as, as I'm sure these other brothers are going to unpack, this is about getting into a more honest relationship with God and saying, I want you to fix it. I don't want you to give me strength. I don't want you to do whatever. I want you to fix, fix it. it. <laughs> so. We're stealing other people's bits at this yep. point in the advice. Jed, I'd love to for you to pick us up right there, because... I think Glenn's absolutely right. What we're talking about is having to get to a honest relationship with God, get some intimacy with God. And of course, in our friend's case, we're talking about, in their mind, trying to get back to that when a certain amount of that has dealt un- unpleasant consequences or they feel like yeah. they've been let down. So that's one of those things 
that's harmful about the churchy advice of God is good. Not some of the time, y'all. All not not the majority the of the time, like all the time. Haven't met any pastors who actually feel that way when we talk to them off the side about how things are going to church, right, but right. Funny, funny how that works out. Um, but the thing about that is that, that all that advice is, well, you have to tell God X, Y, Z. If we feel like we can't talk to God, we we must clear that hurdle initially, right? Yeah, no doubt about so it. So how, how do we get back into that? What's that first step of, I feel like all this is, so I sit down to pray, what happens now? Well, a couple things occur to me. The first is, we are so sorry for all the stuff yeah. that you've been through. Um, we, we love you. We're praying for you. We believe in you. Uh, we know God is there for you, but I also know it doesn't feel like he is, and we're sorry. Full stop. The second is, um, uh, a long time ago, I was in a very similar place to the thing you're describing. And a very wise man said the following to me. You need to declare Christianity 1.0 over in your life. You are not that kind of Christian anymore. If we are to be a Christian moving forward, we must build something new. You can't go back to the kind of Christian that you were. And that person was right about me. Um, I am now saying that to you about you. Uh, You can't go back. There is no back. Uh, You want to get back to something, it's gone. The good news, and it's okay that it probably won't sound true, I, I know it to be true, what is ahead of you is so much better than the thing that's behind you. Um, again, Amen. I, I imagine that sounds like madness at the moment, and no one can blame you for that, but just, just so you know, we, we actually all of us on the show have been through that journey in our own lives. Mm-hmm. What's ahead of you is, is worth it, and it's way, way better. Mm-hmm. But for today, we need to say, I am no longer the kind of Christian I was. That is, that is gone. There must be something new. Yep. And if I were to give you one thing to start with for Jesus 2.0 in your life, it would be raw, uncut honesty. Amen. I am not mincing words with God. I'm not holding back. I'm not um, playing nice. I'm not pretending. I'm telling him what the deal is, period. On that level, I'd like to ask you, you say in your question that you feel let down. And I'd like to ask you if you feel the freedom to tell God that you feel that Right. Yes. I strongly sense that you don't. Yeah. And so the follow-up question is, if you don't, why not? Yeah. Why? We all have. We all have. And not only have we, if you look at God's top people in the Bible, so much of that Bible is God's top draft picks going to him and saying, I think you've lost your mind. Right. I mean, literally, Jesus says to God, hey, God, why have you forsaken me? Right. That's uh, that's the whole deal. If you that's, got a plan B up there instead of this whole crucifixion thing, let's do that. Yeah. yeah. I'd rather do that. Right. Exactly right. If, if it is possible, let this cut pass from me. All of God's top people in the Bible are super raw with him and mm. super honest with him. And here's the funny thing. God never criticizes any of them about it. We know it can't be a sin because Jesus did it and Jesus was without sin. Right. So I think the thing that we want to ask is, why aren't you allowed to be upset? Why aren't, why aren't you allowed to feel let down? Whether, theologically speaking, God has actually let you down or not, why aren't you allowed to feel that way? And why aren't you allowed to go to him and tell him about that? I mean, look at it this way. He dealt the play. Right. The circumstances in your life that have you feeling let down, he allowed those to happen. Yeah. Surely he has to take some ownership of that, at least to the point he can't be yeah. mad that you feel that way. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, here's what I'll tell you for me. I've been super raw with God. I mean, as, as, as honest and raw as I 
am, am able to be. Never once have I gotten the sense from the Lord of you pushed it a little far, bro. Right. You know, you're, you know, you're on thin ice, so right. watch right. it. Instead, what I've experienced from God in those moments of saying, I'm hurting and I feel like you're the one who hurt me. What I've experienced from God is a sense of, <clears throat> I understand. Right. Yeah. How you feel makes perfect sense. There are things that you don't see about this situation. There are things you don't see about your past. There's things you don't see about your present or your future. But how you feel makes sense. I'm not expecting you to feel differently. I love you. I'm with you in the midst of it. I'm, I'm going to bring things out of this, but that's not today. Today is, I'm with you. I know it's hard. Take one next step. That's it. That's, that's, what, that's what God has presented to me in those moments of raw honesty. I have no doubt that that is what he has in store for you. I want to encourage you to take hold of the courage that you need to do that and go be honest with God as you forge a new kind of relationship with the Lord. That is all fantastic stuff. And Leah, I'd love to get you to close us out by building on one specific point Jed is making there. Um, he's right. You're, one of the things, and again, this is to go back to our very first question, this is not an accusatory statement. This is an actual piece of advice. You do need to, on some level, investigate where you picked up because he didn't it didn't generate in your own mind the idea that saying something god made happen is anything but totally perfect and wonderful is some kind of sin because a that's not true and b that's the kind of thing you pick up from an outside source um but one of the things jed is talking about there and it's is this idea of the death of christianity 1.0 which is a very important thing and again all the people who listen to this podcast have had to go through that some of us are on version uh on OSX 10 or 11 <laughs> right. on this one. But Mavericks. The thing about that is it, that's actually a very good exercise in this idea of what, uh, go back where we're going to start this off, what God actually probably means by things are good, which is this sucks, this is painful. God will bring something good out of it eventually. Someday. That he finds good. But one of yeah. the ways that that's happening is there is good news in this situation, which we can point you to, that's, which is you have now discovered a type of Christianity that does not work for you. Mm. That can be a blessing if we yeah. see it as one, but Lee, Come on. how do we bring that in just in our own mind? If we want to said, I want to start my prayer life here. I want to be thankful for something. Let me be thankful for this. How would that conversation go? I love that question. And I, I, I've, there's, there's a thing on the front of my mind. I don't know if it's precise enough to answer the awesome question that you asked, but it needs to be said. And that is, one of the reasons, if you don't know it yet, one of the reasons that you feel like you can't be honest with God in the way that Jed is talking about, and one of the reasons that Christians say the nonsense that they do about God is good all the time, all the time God is good, they they backwards the thing. They make you say it twice, you know? <laughs> yeah. But you got to say it coming and going. Let me tell you why they do that. People want peace. Yeah. They yeah. want you to shut up. Yeah. They don't want your problems. They're ty- they're they're stressed out by it. It causes them to feel shame because they don't know what to say. Um they they are afraid because they don't know what to do and they are deflecting you off of them. Um that's why Christians have invented that stuff is because mm-hmm. they don't know what to do and they just want to be at peace. And I think that's why it's so cool that we have, like, for instance, in the book of in the Bible in the Old Testament, we got the book of Job, which is just anything but that. It's just a dude whose friends are sitting around, you know, a dude that's lost everything. He's in the middle of suffering, suffering unlike you know anything 
that he'd ever seen before. And all of his friends are coming around and they're just saying, just admit that you sinned and God will stop punishing you. And he says, no, I didn't. I didn't do anything to deserve this. That's not, that can't be what this is about. And I refuse to be satisfied unless God comes down here and talks to me face to face. I mean, it's just 38 chapters of these friends saying, just be Christian about this. And a guy saying, I absolutely refuse. And then God showing up and saying, then let's powwow. Now I'm ready to go. And here's the cool thing. People want, they want peace. And so they want you to shut up because they don't know what to do. And God is totally cool with the messy, uh, uh, you know, just the junk of you saying, this is what it is. And I want to know what in the world is going on and him not even giving you an answer to, and y'all just living in that thing. Now, I don't know. And I don't want this to be like a, a pat answer or anything like that. But one of the things um, one of the things that happens as a result of what Jed's talking about is you start a relationship that looks like this. I don't know anything about my life. And the only person I can talk to who will let me vent my full spleen and say everything I need without trying to shut me up is Jesus Christ himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going there. That's where I'm going. Now, I'm not telling you that this is why God makes us suffer in the way that he does, but look at the result of it. The result of it is exactly what Jed said. All the people in the Bible who were the just knockout blue chip saints, all these folks had these terrible, you know, these terrible suffering things, and they all went to God with it. They all went off on God. I mean, they just teed off on this dude. And then they were the ones that had this relationship. So if God, if what God wants is the relationship, a real, true, honest relationship, then this, what Jed's talking about, what Glenn's talking about, doing that, entering into that thing, getting rid of Christianity, the flimsy crap that doesn't work. And that, as Matt said, you've realized is unsatisfying. It's not giving you anything. And then going into that, then we come out of that with that relationship because nobody else wants to hear you vent like this and nobody else can handle it. And he's totally cool with it. He's totally cool with doing that. And by the way, if you get to a place of peace and then something else happens and you go all the way right back down into the well, guess what? God is not tired of that again. He's ready to go again. He's ready to go all the way back to square one and start the whole process again. And here's the, that is the thing that's so cool about him. And by the way, you should know that, you know, one of the things in the question that I wanted to just touch on real quick was, should I just keep waiting until I get answers on this? Um, If you get answers, you'll be the first one. (laughs) And um, not only that, but let me just say this, because you need to hear it. Christians will try to give you answers, man. Yeah. They will tell you why you've been suffering. This is why, this is why. Because God wants to open this other door for you, man. Don't worry, that that other blessing is going to come, man. It's going to come. You're going to get that blessing. They will tell you specific things. People will prophesy. They will pray. I got a word that you need to, because this is what's going to happen. Everybody... Everybody in the whole Christian thing will give you answers. You know who won't? God will not give you answers. 
He does not parlay, but he will sit and hang out with you the whole time. And I don't know if that's what he's doing in the middle of this thing. I don't know. But if you get answers, you're going to be the first one. You know, I just want to build on that because, Lee, you are so right, dude. And that's just a brilliant point. One of the things that's a little weird about doing the kind of work that all four of us do is at a certain point, you, you've seen a pattern of suffering and trial play out in so many people's lives. You generally know where it's headed. Yeah, um, you you have a right. sense of how it's all going to work out. And then you realize you can actually predict it in your own life. You know, God right. you know, puts you in a season where you've got to go through you know, something really kind of crappy. You kind of know what the size and shape of where this is all headed is. Yeah, in yeah. essence, you kind of know what form the answer would take, even if you don't know mm-hmm. all the details. Mm-hmm. Here's the funny thing. It doesn't help. That's right. Yeah. It, right. it, yeah, I'm being strengthened up for a thing, and it's going to be great when I get the thing, and I'll be able to do great stuff at it. But, but, but so what? What you if know? we just skip to the good part? That's yeah. right. Think exactly. About that? Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, because it still sucks today. That's right. I mean, the, Lee is so right. We all think the thing I need here is answers. Right. That's that's the thing. That's what would make it okay is answers. It won't work. Yeah. That won't help. Comfort is yep. the thing that mm-hmm. we need. Comfort. Right. We find comfort from honesty. We find comfort from God's presence with us, and we we tend to access that through honesty. Um, If you're able to find other people with whom you're able to be honest, you you can find comfort there. But comfort is the thing that will that will help, not answers. He calls himself the God of comfort. Yes, so you know the God of all comfort. In fact, yeah, all comfort. Oh, so it's not just a clever nickname. Yeah, that's all really fantastic stuff from these guys. One thing I would I would kind of throw in at the end there is ex- kind of exactly what Jed is. It's on the same vein of what Jed is talking about there. Of you want to s- set expectations, but not it for not for magnitude because God can do uh, more than we ask or imagine. That's in that book too. Mm-hmm. But there's also a kind that one of the cr- things church people do that drive us crazy. I bet it drives you crazy. Is try to get real specific. Yeah. You say, well, you know, this thing with so with you know, I had a falling out with my family. I say, well, you guys teach you, and it would be all great, and you'll have a family of your own. I don't know. No. That may not happen at all. Sure. Or, you know, oh, you something painful of you know, my wife and I miscarried. Well, you know, one day you have a baby and be, or maybe God just wants you to die. Don't guess yeah. why God is screwing that, up yes. my life. Right. Yeah. Thank right. you. We need to think in some more general terms. Exactly as Jed's saying here about. Getting comfort, getting peace, getting joy. One of the things you try about is, which I can definitely uh, dig on this, is I feel like this funk is so bad that it's stealing the joy from things that yeah. I know are good. And that you have to get those, Glenn often talks about the, things like that as being virtues. Yeah. And those, you only get those directly from God, which means you got to talk to him about something. Yep. And I've, and I've definitely the place you've been where it's a little difficult to get that conversation going. Sometimes it feels like, um, picking up the phone and calling that friend from high school that you haven't talked to in 20 years. Like <laughs> the main thing that stopped people from doing that is what would the first line even be of that? Hey, right. hey buddy, you remember that time we did the thing? Yeah. It's awesome. So you, you still like Limp Biscuit? <laughs> <laughs> you know, where, where do we, do we just pick right back up? Do I do a yeah. thing? Whatever. Yeah. But so uh, two very good pieces of advice I've got on this. One is from, uh, actually from Lee's boss and one is from around here. I bet you can guess which one is which. Okay. One of them is start with a list of things you're thankful for. Right. Okay. And That's be specific. Good so that good things, you know, yeah. I, even if you don't feel thankful for them, just things I know I should be thankful for. Yeah. Know, job, thankful. family, whatever it is. This is a good is thing. Key, yeah. The other one is start with a list of gripes. Right. That's right. And get those out there. But the funny thing is if you, and I would suggest doing both of those. And right. again, yeah, yeah. you don't have, if you don't, if you're not feeling it, literally just a bullet pointed list. Sure. Do them in mm-hmm. list form. You don't yeah. need any emotion behind it at all for it to work. 
The funny thing is you should, both of those will take on the same shape. Yeah. As Jed's talking about of a list of things I acknowledge are either good or bad or whatever. And I don't know anything beyond that. Yeah, that's right. I am thankful I have rent money. I don't really know why. I don't know what the plan for all it is. I don't know if I have next month, but I recognize that as good. Yeah. Right. I am not thankful for this giant list of things, and I don't really know one another, but I think these are bad. <laughs> Here, Address them as you wish to. Here are things I think are good and bad. Right, right. And something as simple as that, getting your foot back in the door, because what we want to get here is some... Uh, a little bit of feedback going, mm. a little bit, a little bit of a uh, a loop of putting something out, getting some input, and then that's how that conversation gets rolling. This is it, this is weirdly trying, try, like trying to start a conversation with someone you don't know, have, know if you have anything in common with mm. the weird kid in class, whatever. This is gonna you're gonna have to throw some stuff out there. Yeah. So D and D. Yeah. Star Wars? I like Star Wars. Okay, we can talk about Star and Wars. we're off. Right, right. But there is a certain amount. It sounds weird to say about God, and but this is, again, there's a certain amount of just throwing stuff out there, seeing what happens, seeing what you feel right. something on, and then there's no wrong answer is the main point thing. If you're talking to God more than you were yesterday, pretty much about anything, that is progress, yep. and it may take a minute for it to feel like progress, but it'll, it will definitely get you where you're going. And again, we're happy to be here for you. If you have follow-up questions, feel free to write them in. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We're going to take out to celebrate Lee's triumphant return and survival of yet another year of week-long Young Life Woo. camp. We're going to take out with a Lee song this week. This is from this month's Bridgebox. The song is called Your Love. We're going to take out that. Yeah. Thanks for just thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, sign up today to reserve your copy of the New Testament read by Palpatine Jed. <laughs> be true Are you still here After all the times I've cut and run I see you Through all my tears In spite of all the things That I have done deserve, but I've got your love.